When you know who you are in Christ, you are not afraid of bad news. Your heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Not afraid of bad news. Notice this, loved ones. It doesn't say he will avoid bad news. Bad news confronts us. Hard news surrounds us. But notice the power. Ready? His heart is firm. Why? He trusts in the Lord. How? In the fear of the Lord, verse 1. It's all connected. Hello there and welcome to Live in the Light with Pastor Robbie Simons. I'm Craig Turnbull and today, the conclusion of our teaching entitled, Can't Touch This, from the sermon series, Immovable. Well, when the world around us tells us we need to live in fear, we learn that for the Christ follower, rather than fear, we have great reasons to be fearless. Let's go ahead and open up God's word to learn more. But here's one of the more powerful applications to this truth. It's this question right here. And I really, I really hope that you'll hear it the way that I've really tried to digest it myself this week. Would you rather be remembered now and forgotten later? Or would you rather be forgotten now and remembered later? You know what I'm saying? Like, which would you really love to have? Would you rather find your life in this life and then lose it in the next? Or would you rather lose your life for Jesus Christ only to gain it or find it in eternity and the life to come? Students, you're about to go back to school in a week or so. This, this, this is so important. And what am I about to say? I don't, I don't, I don't claim it's easy at all, but, but just, just think with perspective, okay? Uh, some of you in high school, it's four years of your life that, trust me, from my experience, those four years, they come and go, and it doesn't, doesn't have that much impact in all the rest of your life. Like, it's not that it's not important, but trust me, the friends that say they're your friends in grade nine and 10, mm, mm, you know, 20 years later, mm, not that important, all right? You know what I'm saying? I get it though. Because the high school students, university students, is it possible for you to be willing to be maybe not totally accepted now, not fitting in with each moment now, not being in the most cool group now in order to be accepted and fitting in perfectly with Jesus Christ when you get to heaven for all of eternity? Is it possible for you to understand, I give up a little bit now in terms of what the world says in order to gain everything with Jesus Christ for infinity? See, see that, I, now listen, listen to you. Robbie, Robbie, you pastor, Robbie, well, well you're, not, you're not in high school, but I was once, hard to believe I know, okay? You, you don't know my, I know I don't know the pressure. I know how hard it can be in the midst of those peer groups and how lonely you can feel and how depressing you can feel and how, and how discouraged it can be as everyone around you seemingly is not including. But I know this more than that. 
I know how much Jesus cares about you and loves you. And I know Jesus says the way to follow him is narrow and hard, but it leads to life. And I know the second Jesus returns and you see him face to face, you will not regret one moment of being isolated for his glory when he draws you as close as you could ever imagine and never, ever, 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 ever let you go for the rest of eternity. That is a powerful way to live. And that's what's being invited to us as young and old, no matter where we are in our lives today, to believe by faith, I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the life to come. And that's so much of what Jesus tells his disciples. I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. The righteous will never be moved and he will be remembered forever. Is it okay if I'm rejected now to be accepted by Jesus Christ in glory? Remember what Jesus says? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. This is what he's talking about, man. All the people that are first in line, all the popular people around, they're gonna be last, man. But those who are rejected and scorned for Jesus Christ, they will be first. I'm telling you, wisdom, 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 wisdom. Some of you in your, in your workplace right now, you're feeling that as well. Family members, you're feeling that as well. Jesus says to you today, he says, I got your back. Trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. This life is not supposed to be easy. Jesus never promised easy. He promised himself. He promised his assurance. He promised his forgiveness. He promised his friendship. He promised that we are co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. See what happens in verse six? Verse six flows into the rest of this psalm. I mean, verse one, blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, who delights in his commandments greatly. And now we see this in verse six, never be moved, remembered forever. So, what are the impact and the results of that life? When I know I can't be moved, when I know I'll be remembered forever, when I know, can't touch this. I almost danced, but I will not do that. No, no, I will not. I will not do that, all right? So no, trust me, I won't. All right, so, so what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean that what is the impact or the results of knowing I can't be moved and I'll be remembered forever. That's the rest of our sermon and it comes in four results. Four results when I know I can't be moved. Number one is this. Okay, result number one is I will have a firm heart within bad news. I will have a firm heart within bad news. Look at verse seven, okay? He is not afraid. See, when you know who you are in Christ, you are not afraid of bad news. Your heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Are we saying today, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why, why, why? Because I am a child of God. See, now that's it right there. That's it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When you know where you stand in Christ, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. So this is powerful discipleship right here. This is biblical counseling 101. Not afraid of bad news. Notice this, loved ones. It doesn't say he will avoid bad news. It doesn't say she will have freedom from bad news. What do we know? Bad news is a reality. Bad news is all around us. Bad news confronts us. Hard news surrounds us. But notice the power, ready? His heart is firm, why? He trusts in the Lord, how? In the fear of the Lord, verse one. It's all connected. I'll say it again. 
His heart is firm. Why is his heart firm? He trusts in the Lord. How does he trust in the Lord? In the fear of the Lord, he sees who is really in charge and who he really worships and belongs to. So let's, let's reverse that for a second on the screen here. I want you to see this, okay? Biblical theology, here we go, ready? This is what happens. Often we're going for this and we miss the order. Verse one is verse one for a reason. Praise the Lord. Blessed are the man or woman who fears the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord, when you see Christ in his glory and all his strength and, 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 and his, his attributes and his perfection, well, of course you put faith. Once you see him, you're like, oh, he's got everything under control. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. That's what happens. That's what faith is. I trust in Jesus. Man, the world's a bunch of, a bunch of lies. I trust in Jesus. So fear in the Lord leads to faith in the Lord. And when you have faith in the Lord, then your heart becomes firm, strong. Your heart is steady. Firm heart in the Lord. See the process there? That's so important. Again, if you go for this step and you miss out on these ones, well, that's why it's not working. How, why don't I feel the way I want to feel? Well, because you're being led by your feelings. Start with fact. Put some faith in it and then watch your feelings go. Feelings are lousy leaders. They are great followers, as we say around here a lot. A great example of this, of course, in the Gospels is the Apostle Peter. Sees Jesus walking on water. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, let's do this. Peter starts walking off the boat and he's walking on the water. How's that possible? In the fear of the Lord and the faith in Christ, the water becomes firm under his feet. But all of a sudden, the waves and the wind get his attention. His eyes go off to fear of the Lord. His faith starts to sink and he sinks with it. Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And they all get in the boat and they worship him and say, surely you are the son of God. Yes, he is. See, the most powerful application of this truth. I'm not afraid of bad news. My heart is firm trusting the Lord. The most powerful application of that is facing death. The number one fear of humans, okay? Why? When you know you can't be moved eternally, when you know you're circling Christ in the gospel, you look at death and you join Paul and you say, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Now, here's the challenge, okay? Loved ones, if, if our number one fear has been solved, if our eternity in Christ is secure, if we can say, and I, I pray we can, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. If that is true, and let's take an informal survey right now, okay? So I'm asking you the question. I want you to ask, answer your, to yourself right now. Are you afraid to die, okay? Don't put your hands around that, but just... I'm praying that a lot of our answers would be obviously yes, if we're secure in Christ. If we're not afraid to die, then the challenge is, then why are, we are, why are we so afraid of so many lesser things? If the number one fear in all of eternity has been solved for us in Christ, then why are we so afraid of things that are seemingly so little in comparison to what is so great? This is where the gospel changes everything, right? You say, well, my friend recently betrayed me. Well, Jesus will never betray you. Um, I wish I had more money. I'm stressed out about money. Uh, Jesus is the greatest treasure you could ever have or want or see. Um, my health is failing. Uh, you are soon to be perfect in health and glory. Uh, my boss is a jerk. Uh, Satan is a bigger jerk. 
and he's gonna be fully dealt with at full redemption, reconciliation with Jesus Christ. Like the day is coming where you're not thinking about your earthly boss. You say, well, I'm worried for my future. Uh, no, you're not. You say, what do you mean? How can you tell me I'm not worried about my future? Well, if your perspective is on Christ, your future, you're good. You're good. That's the whole sermon so far. You're good. You'll never be moved. Well, I'm worried about my future job. Okay, I get that. But in relation to eternity, there's nothing to fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Hey, is fear real? Of course it's real. I'm just going with you right now of how we combat that big time. It's called the gospel. I'm telling you, man, when your eyes are set on the Lord, man, everything else falls into place, right? That, that chorus we love to sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of the earth go strangely dim. Of course they do, because the light of his glory is so bright and shining. And these aren't the lyrics of the song anymore, right? Just kind of added that in, whatever, right? But they're so bright and so awesome that everything else in comparison is seen for what it is. The power of the gospel, loved ones, rehearse it, sing it, read it, eat it, declare it. By the way, by the way, if you're encouraged right now, if what we just did has encouraged you, this is what you have to do on your own. Don't wait for the pastor to stand up and do it. Do it tomorrow morning. Sing it tomorrow morning. I mean, you're sitting there and, and, you're, and you're blow drying your hair or shaving, whatever it is. I mean, just rehearse the gospel and watch the truth set you free day after day after day. That's why it's in here over and over and over again. Think of this, okay? Remember it says in, in, in verse seven, he is not afraid of bad news, hard is firm trusting in the Lord. The greatest combatant of bad news is good news, as in the gospel. The single greatest weapon against bad news in your life is good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A firm heart within bad news. Result number two, result number two, a strong heart when under attack. Look at verse eight now. His heart is steady, he will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. This is encouraging stuff right now. Notice the Bible's emphasis on the heart. Verse seven, verse eight, see that? What's the heart? Mind, emotions, and will. When the Bible speaks of the heart, it's speaking of our entire being. Your whole being is steady and firm. We notice we learn here, bad news, it's coming. Verse seven, it's inevitable, okay? Opposition is inevitable in verse eight. So remember, if you think you can truly follow Christ and not be opposed, then you're reading a different Bible than I am. If we're here right now and we think, hey, follow me, Jesus, and everyone likes me, and everyone's gonna be good, and no problems, and that's not what he promised. That's not in the Bible. I mean, let, let, let's just talk about opposition. Let's just start with Satan. Satan hates those who fear the Lord. He is terrified of powerful saints in the fear of the Lord. And we know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2. We know that he oversees the spiritual forces of evil, Ephesians 6. We know that he orchestrates and motivates many forces against Christ's followers directly. Now listen, don't be scared, but be wise. Be strong. This is the whole point of our psalm right here, right? At the end of the day, we can say to Satan in the midst of the battle, can't touch this. You can try to scare me. You can try to hurt me. You can even kill me. But in the end, can't touch this because I'm with Jesus. And when I die, I actually start to live. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Can't touch this. 
No one will snatch me out of the hands of Jesus Christ. So the opposition will come. Notice verse eight, the heart is steady. Uh, New American Standard, upheld. NIV, secure. New King James, the heart is established. It's the steady heart, think about it, the steady heart rooted in the Lord that allowed Joseph to wait while in prison, for Moses to part the Red Sea, for Joshua to conquer the Promised Land, for David to defeat Goliath, for Jehoshaphat to rout the Moabites, for Nehemiah to rebuild the wall, for John the Baptist to be beheaded, and Stephen to be martyred. That led Jesus Christ to be crucified. It was the steady heart. See, you're like, John the Baptist being beheaded is an example you're using for a steady heart? And Stephen being martyred? Like, that's supposed to inspire me? Yes. Why? Because you can touch this, but in reality, you can't touch this. Right? What does Jesus say? Don't fear the person who can kill you and after that do nothing. Fear the person who after killing you can send you to hell. Jesus Christ is the one who judges the living and the dead. When you're on his side, man, you're good. You're good. The steady heart. So true. So true. So we have a firm heart, a strong heart, and now result number three, a generous heart. A generous heart. Look at verse nine. Verse nine says, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So, When we take verse nine in conjunction with verse three and verse five, there's a powerful sub-theme of generosity that's developing here through this psalm. Again, when you're studying scripture, look for repeated phrases, repeated words, repeated themes. It tells you part of what's happening again within the passage. So again, hear the heart of God for the generous hearts of his people. And isn't it so interesting, okay? You see verse nine? Verse nine was quoted by Paul. You might have a footnote in your Bible or a cross-reference if you have that, it should be there. Verse nine was quoted by Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 9. One of the foremost chapters on generosity in the New Testament. In fact, I want to see that verse in its context. We're going to see our verse from Psalm 112 in the context of the New Testament here. Paul says this, the point is this, one of the foremost chapters on generosity, as I said. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in her heart, his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace. When we talk about that, when we give to the kingdom, God is gonna all grace as God decides what grace looks like. All grace abound to you, He's not going to be meager. He's going to pour out grace on some level so that having all sufficiency, this is amazing, in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God loves to bless those who are generous to his kingdom that they may continue to abound and be blessed and generous with more kingdom activity. As in, here's our verse from Psalm 112. This is, here's Paul's proof of what he just said. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Generosity, loved ones, is a very big deal to God and needs to be a very big deal to us. Notice in, in, in verse nine, he has distributed freely. I consider freely to be cheerfully, willingly, giving to the poor, it says. Uh, to those who do not have. 
So you, you, know, you know, look here for a second. You know how, how many of us, we get in that place and we would, we'd, 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 my, my money, it's mine, right? We're Scrooge. And, and, and we hold it so tight and we're, I'll give you a nickel. Aren't I so kind, right? And you're like, really, buddy? Like, come on, really, right? Fine, I'll give you two nickels, right? And we're just like, man, that guy, what, what? Like, you got so much and you're, that's not distributing freely. Distributing freely is, my hands are open, and you're just like, you're just like, hey, Lord, what do you want to do next? You want to give here? Okay, let's give here. Want to give there? Give there. And God's like, hey, can I keep trusting you? If I keep trusting you, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep providing for you. I will. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. He loves the generous heart. I'm telling you again, hey, the Holy Spirit has brought this in two weeks in a row. I haven't. Holy Spirit has. Why? He's trying to send a message, man. You fail in generosity, you forfeit blessing on some level. See, what kind of blessing? I don't know. I don't know, but you forfeit some kind of blessing. You, you lose out on grace on some level according to 2 Corinthians 9. Pause, think, apply. Convict. Not just here, there too. Con- convict here, here. It's good though, I love it. Love generosity. It just seems so anti-world. It just seems so Christ. Why? Because we're thinking eternally. Look at the end of verse nine, ready? Um, His horn is exalted in honor. What does that mean? Here it means, the Lord blesses the generous, period. He just blesses the generous, period, as he decides. It will go well. The results of knowing you're immovable. Firm heart, strong heart, generous heart. And then we end with this, result number four, a sobered heart. A sobered heart. A sobered heart for the wicked. Isn't it interesting? Like, if, you know, if I'm writing this psalm, I, I don't know if I, verse 10 is where I'd go next, but this, but this is how the psalm ends. I think it's so important. Notice, the wicked man sees it. Sees what? Sees all that just happened sees the righteousness of the Christ follower, sees the blessings, sees the grace, sees the eternal reality of those who trust in the Lord. He sees it and is angry. In fact, not just angry, he's furious. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. Gnashing your teeth. You are grinding your teeth in, in horror and of such anger. Notice, the desire of the wicked will perish. This is indeed a sobering and a serious verse. You know, as much as Christians are often despised in this world, those are Jesus' words, not mine, there will come a day when Christians will be more despised than ever. Now notice the reasons for it here, ready? So verse 10 says, the wicked man sees it and is angry, right? They see the honor of God upon his righteous. They see the eternal favor of the Savior The wicked, in this case, of those who have rejected God, they hated God, they didn't follow God, they want nothing to do with God, they've they've, they've mocked Christ's followers, they're just the people who are kind of anti-Christ. They've just ridiculed the whole thing. But then at some point in some way, there's gonna be this awareness, this awareness of the blessing that is placed upon those who were rejected and scorned and left out. See, we're coming full circle here to those who didn't fit in, to those who were put aside, to those who were 
kill, to those who were persecuted, to those who were treated so with such harm. In some form, the wicked will see the blessing of God and they will gnash their teeth in a furious rage. They will melt away. Notice, their desire will, will perish. Everything they live for, it will just be in a moment, will be seen for what it is, nothing. So please pay attention right here. Let's, let's let the seriousness of God's word become the seriousness of this moment for us, okay? Old and young and everyone in between, listen right now. Wickedness is having its moment now. Wickedness in this world is having its moment. But the day will come where all the smiles of the wicked will turn to gloom. In the Gospels it says they see Christ and they just, and it just says they're filled with gloom. They're so upset at the reality of what they see. Listen, the wicked will face incredible agonizing defeat and they will rot from the face of the earth. Spurgeon said that. You may live for wickedness now and have a few parties, but it will, it will result in eternal regret. Eternal regret. You see, this, this is why Jesus Christ came. He came to save us from ourselves. He came to die for the wicked. All of us on one level are wicked. All of us are with sin and depraved. Every single one of us. And by God's grace, we have a way to be set free from our sin and our bondage by faith in Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection. Because once you are saved in Christ, you can't be moved. But if you are part of the wicked, you will face eternal destruction. That's why you have verse one, blesses the man or woman who fears the Lord. That's why you have verse six, the righteous will not be moved and remembered forever. And that's why you have verse 10. The wicked will see it, be angry, gnash their teeth. They will melt away and their desire, their desire will perish. That's why then the gospel, the good news, is so utterly important. Jesus died that you might live. We end with this, John 3, John 3, 36. what Jesus says right here, okay? And by the way, this is like, like who, who's here right now for this moment right now? The Lord knows. And I pray you know. I pray you know without a doubt. You can't understand forgiveness and grace until you know what you've been forgiven and saved from. Jesus says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath, the punishment of God remains on him. You know, often we like this part and we leave out this part. This is love. This is love. The world looks at this, they hate it. They, they hate me right now. They hate the truth. Satan hates it, but it's the truth that sets you free. Our sin results in death. Jesus gives us life. By the grace of God, we were once wicked and now have been made righteous, not by our own doing, but by the grace of God. And that invitation is for you and I today. And we pray many will have eyes of faith. And to be able to say, to be able to say, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, I will never be moved. 
in Christ alone I cannot lose. In Christ alone I do not fear death. In Christ alone I will not fear now. In Christ alone I am guaranteed a future. In Christ alone Satan's lies are gone. In Christ alone my hope is found. Let's pray. Truly in Christ alone and truly, Lord, from this psalm right here. Immovable. Can't touch this. Can't touch this in Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we prayed at the very beginning, endurance and encouragement for your people now. And we pray you will save those today who do not have a genuine relationship with you, that they might call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Set me free. Allow me to live. Allow me to live for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.